Hello and welcome to this edition of Nursing Matters with me, Rachel Hollis. I'm the chair of the Royal College of Nursing Professional Nursing Committee. I'm a children's cancer nurse and I live in North Yorkshire. This week, ahead of the RCN's Nursing Support Worker Day on the 23rd of November, we'll be talking about the valuable contribution that nursing support workers make to the nursing team and their essential role in patient care. I'm delighted, therefore, to welcome Tracy Culpit as my co-host today. Tracy is the Nursing Support Worker member of the Professional Nursing Committee and is Health and Wellbeing Lead for her hospital site. Hello, Tracy, and welcome to Nursing Matters. Hello, Rachel, and thank you for that lovely introduction. And I am joining you today from a autumn day in London. Tracy, this week, the RCN issued a, a new report which features 10 indicators highlighting the enormous stress that services are under in, in all settings. We know that pressures are felt all year round, but they tend to peak in the winter months. And this year, they're obviously compounded by COVID-19 and by the backlog of patients waiting for treatment. You have a lead role in health and well-being in, in your organisation. How do you feel that your colleagues are coping right now? I think the pressures we are seeing um, are not going away soon. Um, we all understand the emerged challenges that we're all facing right now. I think it comes at a time where nursing staff face a difficult few months. I think they're treating the backlog of care, administrating the extended annual influenza programme, alongside an ongoing COVID-19 vaccination programme and seasonal pressures made worse by a predicted surge in flu and other infections. But what I would like to shine a light on is it's not achieved by chance the exceptional registered and unregistered individuals that show compassionate care every day. And it's a, it serves as a useful reminder of why it is good to be in this profession. And these defining moments make the tough days bearable, the good days exceptional, and for myself, a genuine privilege. Thank you, Tracy. Joining us today, we have two very special guests who know only too well the pressures that uh, nursing teams are under. So first is Kevin Morley, and Kevin is chair of the Nursing Support Workers Committee at the RCN. Welcome, Kevin. Hello, and thank you for the introduction, Rachel. I know that you've been working hard on preparations for Nursing Support Worker Day next week. So tell us just a little bit more about the focus and purpose of this event. We always felt um, as a committee, and it's been, it, it goes back a few years, that we started this action for to get us a Nursing Support Workers Day. And luckily last year, when um, for us really, when COVID came in, that was the opportunity for us to get this passed for to have our day, the 23rd of November, and which we will celebrate now forever because the nurses had their day for nurses, but we never really felt that we were inclusive in that because it was guaranteed and geared towards nurses. Students have their day and their forums, and we felt that we needed to have our day for to have our say for to show what we do. So last year was the first time that we were actually to have this day and to celebrate the valuable work that we do within our workplaces, not only as the NHS, but also as private sectors and private companies as well. So that you've got the private carer out there, the individual carers who get, get forgotten about. And it can even be one of a family member who's the carer. And let's support what they do, because that's valuable and important as well. 
So our outlook was that we needed to have our voice heard, get us seen and really put us on the map. And last year, the RCN saw one of the best campaigns for nursing support as a whole, as an event. And it was really successful. So this year, we want to make it bigger and better and get our voice heard again and put us out there so that we are supported not only by the public but all, and recognised by the public, but also recognised by our colleagues on what we actually do for them in supporting them in their roles that we report back to them, we liaise with the GP to report back to our teams. And whether that be in a hospital setting, the community setting, care home, in the person's home, and also with the carers, the agencies that work within them homes as well, that we can support them in some way. And, you know, I'd like to wave that flag loudly and brightly. <laughs> Thank you. <Thanks. laughs> Maeve Coley is the Vice Chair of the Nursing Support Worker Committee and works in the Midlands. Where are you joining us from today, Maeve? I'm joining you from Nottingham, which is, like you say, a leafy autumn day outside. I've got millions of leaf that I need to sweep up, but never mind. That's autumn <laughs> into winter. In this episode, we're focusing on the role and contribution of the nursing support worker. And it, it's a title that covers a multitude of roles. And anyone working in healthcare recognises the importance of these essential roles and, and the important work that they do. So, Maeve, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your role, what you do on a daily basis and how you play a part in that, that nursing team. Right. I'm a nursing support worker. Um, uh, you know, the title, as it says, we are very versatile, very diverse. I work in Nottingham on a neonatal unit, which is attached to a maternity labour suite. So my daily role is I look after premature babies as well as the moms and dads. The role is very sad at times, but very joyful on on the other hand. And like you say, given COVID, what COVID has been like, we have even been more restricted with COVID within our area because you've not only got the mum that's got COVID, but you've got to be careful that the baby has not got COVID. So as a nursing support worker, we and the neonatal unit, because we're a specialised area, we are called clinical support workers. And as you know, the nursing support worker family, or we have different names. We have different titles. So it's get very confusing to people. And like my role as a clinical support worker, I have to look after, as I say, these poorly babies who venture from high to low and do parent craft, look after babies who are blood sugars, etc. look after jaundice babies. So my role, as I say, is very versatile, very busy at times, and we are busy. And at the moment, we are very, very short staff. I've never seen anything like it, but we are very short staff. So, you know, at the last minute, your off duties change, etc. So, you know, we have a lot to put up with. But... Nursing Support Workers Day for me. I'm still flying the flag. I have been at Nursing Support Worker Day from a long time, going back to when we were just in the RCN classed as a project team. 
We moved on from that and we had the wonderful Tanis Anzu led us for a long while into where we are today. And it isn't just my work or Kevin works. It's been all of us. We've worked tirelessly, tirelessly to ask the RCN to give us a day. You give nurses a day. You give them the students a day. Why can't you give the nursing support workers a day? We're at the forefront of care. You know, we are the ones that the family sees. And like you say, whether in the hospital, whether in the care home, whether in the community, we are the ones. I, I mean, I don't know if people have been watching Ed Ball's journey of a, you know, care worker. And if you look at him, you know, to see that's the forefront of what he was seeing was carers, whether unpaid or paid. You know, we are at the front for, and we fought really in our committee within the RCN. And I'm thankful for the RCN to recognize us, you know, to give us that recognition for the day. So my voice is that, you know, let's be proud of what we've achieved, be active in what we've achieved, you know, in everything that we've done. So, and for me in Nottingham, you know, having a nursing sport worker there, when I first advertised it, Nothing, you know, I just thought, and now my trust, I'm going in with the education team, advertise it, the nursing sport workers, they, they have put things together and I will be going across because I have two sites. I will be going across two sites and the amount of people that's contacted me this week, I have not got enough resources to give away, you know, but hopefully I shall make it, a, you know, a good day, fly the flag for our nursing sport workers and for our committee members. We work really, really hard wherever we're based. Thanks, May, for that very passionate account there. Everyone listening to the podcast will be familiar with the uh, pressures of the past 18 months on nursing staff. Maeve, how has your role changed during the pandemic? And is there anything that really stands out to you in the way your team has responded? Well. We've responded quite well in given, you know, the difficult circumstances we've been under. We have worked and we've moved to wherever we have wanted to go. We've had the support of, you know, not just myself, but the whole team. And like at times, as I said, we are very short staff. Working in the pandemic, you can imagine going, uh, like I say, I work in the maternity into labour suite. You can imagine, especially wearing PPE and having to don and doff, you know, wherever we went. It That took time. And sometimes we had to sort of, we had it like in a relay type thing that we had people, if I went in, did what I needed to do, gave that person a break, you know, come back and don and doff and came back around. So we worked in whatever in whatever situation was given to us, we worked as a team, you know, and able to pull through. And as I say, nobody came any worse off. Kevin, we've, we've heard from Maeve a bit about her role. And in our introduction, we heard from you that you work in a, a community setting and obviously in a really different role to Maeve's in a specialist hospital setting. Can you tell us a bit more about your role and actually about how you got there you know how how long you've been there what was the path that took you into the role you're in now 
The role, the role that I'm in now is a, a band for senior assistant practitioner. But I first started off way back, um, and I'm going back now 32 years as an auxiliary in the hospital looking after sick children, working on SCABU, and I've worked in child health within the school health. So I was school health nurse. Then I came into adult nursing. But I came into nursing via my parents, really, because I looked after them when they were very poorly and when they were ill. My training is in being a fully qualified chef, running hotels and restaurants and having our own pub at the same time as a family business. And when my parents died, I lost interest in that. And then from there, um, I said to one of my friends, well, what am I going to do? And they said, well, look, you've looked after your parents. It's this valuable um, experience that you've had and you could put it into that. And I didn't really want to go into nursing because in my view, it was, well, if you went to nursing, people die on you. But I went and I did um, a couple of bank shifts and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the reward that I got from that by helping somebody else and helping them and they recovered and they went home. So the feeling of that you got of empathy for them, that they were better and they went home. I thought, yes, I am liking this. So I'm going to do this a lot more. So I then applied for a full-time post. I got a full-time post on children's ward and I've gradually worked my way through doing my MVQ2, MVQ3. Then I did my degree, foundation degree, and I got my band four role in the community where we are now. During this pandemic, um, which we've had to respond in a way that we had to first look at only attending urgent cases. So we then looked at working closely with the families, again, with it being a COVID situation, um, any family members who could do insulins for their family, the um, odd small dressing in the family so that we didn't have to come in to do that. And again, within nursing homes, we supported them. We were still went in to do the, the insulins in the nursing homes, but where there was a small dressing that could be applied by a carer in the nursing home, we tend to supervise that rather than actually us going and do that. Um, but we still um, did our full role at the same time. We still supported nursing homes, people in their homes and our own teams. And in the beginning, we weren't wearing PPE because it was sort of a, a short thing throughout the UK um, where PPE wasn't readily available in the community. It was in the hospitals. But then you've got the added pressures of working with full PPE on, going into nursing homes, going into people's houses. People who were deaf then couldn't lip read you because you then had a mask on. And then you had to look at other ways of being able to communicate with them without causing them any distress. And especially with people with Alzheimer's or dementia, looking at people who were coming dressed in this strange equipment to their home to treat them was quite daunting at times as well. Um, and we also had to be protective of our own teams as well, making sure that we socially distance. And our trust was fantastic with putting out bulletins on how we could socially distance appropriate, what we had to do in the workplace, how we could take care of our colleagues and ourselves at the same time. Because that added a pressure into my life personally, because my husband 
has a condition of cancer, lung cancer and COPD. And the last thing that I wanted to do after he walked four years ago was in a coma for 10 days was that I would want to bring something back home to him that would cause him physical harm and possibly death. And so on the back of that is that we then have to then change in the lobby and readdress how our house, and it's not just my home that's like that. This went through thousands and thousands of homes where they had to readdress on how they were going home to their loved ones, how they looked after their loved ones. It added immense pressure, again, for your home life as well as working under that pressure as well. So there didn't seem to be a let up from this virus at all. But we do have, I must say, one of the best supporting managers who went out of her way to try and support us. And if we ever needed to talk to her, she would let us talk to her. She went out on the front line herself as well. But as HCA, she she was right behind us. So, Maeve, taking this question sort of more widely, do you think that actually society in general gives enough value to the role um, of caring? Um, we're, we're focused today on the role of nursing support workers, but we know there are real workforce shortages in the social care sector as well as in healthcare settings. Pay rates are one of the reasons for that. Do you think that roles in care in general should be better rewarded than they are? I think, you know, personally, I think so, because it is hard work, especially like in care homes or in the community. They have not got as much facilities as what you would have in the NHS, even though the NHS is short of equipment, facilities, etc., and you Mm. still don't get paid to what you are worth. Everybody always says care is worth more or my grandma, you looked after my grandma, or my grandma, granddad, you know. So it's up to the government to look at when you are grading staff or grading people who are coming into any care sector, what is the pay grade? How do we grade that? You know, that's one of the things we need to look at, you know. Who first made the pay grade as like, I'll pay you three fifty an hour. Or, you know, if you go into the hospital, I can pay you five pounds. Who who did it in the first place? I think that's where we've got to get back to. And then we, I, I think then we can move on. You know, is it a national thing, as I say, or is it a government setting? Or is it people like ourselves who sit around a table and then negotiate a price? For care, I'm not quite sure. Why do you think that that those caring roles aren't valued by society? I think because society, if you're in a family, you will look after each other. If you go to hospital, you will be cared for. So it's either one person or two persons thinking it's not my responsibility, or with, if you're within a family, you think, all right, yes. I will look after grandma, granddad, etc. Like Kevin did, he looked after his parents. And I think it comes into our head that um, if my mum and dad is poorly, like with me, I care for my mum, it is my responsibility. It's not anybody else's responsibility. Only if something does happen to her, 
and she needs to go into hospital. But at the same time, the clinicians are there to look after her, to make her better, send her home to me and I will look after her. And I think that's what we'll, you know, as society, I think that's what we look at. Hi, Kevin. We hear from our members that many of them feel overstretched and undervalued, that they're not staffed to the levels that they would help them to deliver the care their patients need. And many feel underpaid. Sometimes there's a perception that the role of nursing support worker is not valued properly, yet we know that without skilled people in these vital roles, care would be left undone and teams would struggle even more. Kevin, do you feel the role of the nursing support worker is valued? And how do you feel this impacts, Kevin, the way you feel about your job? I I love and relish my job. I really do. I really love what I do. But yes, I do recognise that for a long time, our work was unrecognised. And we were often, and for a long time, we were the profession of they were we were seen and not heard and we didn't have a voice and we couldn't speak up and we couldn't say that we needed change or address things where there were staff shortages and and because there's always going to be that through sickness but on the back of that this pandemic has made that situation even worse because we have had staff members who have gone off because they're covid or their relative becomes COVID, so they have to isolate. And that takes a person out of a team. So if you imagine that you've got a a room full of 23 nurses and healthcare support workers, that if you start taking people out of that environment, it is the nursing support workers that are going to step up to give an extra hand, to step in and try and alleviate and to help sort out those problems where needed. And yeah, I totally agree that it is in the past been a place where we've never had a voice. Now we're starting to have a voice. And I think it's about time that, and, and because of Nursing Support Workers Day, we are getting there. We're far from it, from where we need to be, but we are getting there. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. And I think, you know, what you've just spoken about and previously by Maeve and shining a light again on our carers in the community and care homes because you know the dedication that's shown and but seen very much especially in the public eye as unskilled but absolutely very skilled look after people with complex medical needs like dementia and you know we don't often showcase a lot of the work that our carers do it's very important that we raise the profile of this kind of vibrant workforce so thank you for that. And I, and I agree with you there, Tracy, because the, there is the, the workforce that's out there. And I said before, because within the NHS, HCAs, nursing support workers, NAs, TNAs, they're all within that role and they're noted and they're seen within trusts throughout the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and ourselves. Um, but where we don't see the gratitude and the thanks are for those carers in their own homes, and in nursing homes, because they tend to be the sort of they drift into the background a little bit. We go into them and we support them, but 
if they don't shout as well loudly with us, and, I, and I've been into most of my care, the care homes that I go into, and I've put a nursing support worker poster in there um, so that they can hopefully celebrate along with us and get their voices heard. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the prominent moments I know and things I've seen myself is that holding the hand of a patient, especially at the end of life. And I think that's just such a humble moment to to be able to be privileged to be part of and I do think there's lots of work to do especially with educational pathways for our carers in nursing homes um, and I think it's 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 time we started showcasing so thank you for that very passionate account Kevin. Kevin you just um, sort of went through a, a list of different you know HCAs so healthcare assistants assistant practitioners, a whole range of different different titles um, for that nursing support workers may hold and a different range of jobs, as we've heard from both you um, and Maeve. Do you think that those sort of different titles can cause confusion for, for patients and indeed for other members of the sort of MDT working with nursing teams? I think it confuses a lot of just the the nursing workforce out there to know which ones they're working with and what those roles do because there is no real specific job title that we see under an umbrella you may train and because it takes three years to qualify as a nursing associate and they have to do um 460 hours practice time now when i did it i didn't have to do that my role as an assistant practitioner, and they become a nursing practitioner. So that there's a different job role in that, although we do similar things. There'll be maybe one or two things that we don't do. But then go back down to the band three, they do ECGs and I do ECGs. So who would you give that job to? Would it be the band three, the band two, the band four? So within our own sort of um, job descriptions, they do get sort of muddled up because where do you sit how do you work that out and and if we aren't seeing our job descriptions specific to our role how can anybody else look at us because they'll get mixed up and then as it comes to looking at the public when they look at us we've got different colored uniforms and they don't often look and see well you're that person so you do that and you're in that color so you do that they just see us as their person that's coming to care for them and to help them and to provide care for them. So unless we're actually, actually specific on what we do, the, the, the public, Joe Public, will, will not understand the levels and the different, different people as NAs, TNAs, nursing support workers, healthcare assistant. I think, and especially when you've got the private sector wearing the same uniform as what we wear, and some of them, uh, who were carers were a sister's uniform from a hospital and that again is totally baffles people as well because they they can't even see whether they're a sister nhs or whether they're a sister private sector or whether they're just a healthcare because they wear the same uniform Maeve, we know that the at the moment the preparation given to nursing support workers for their role is variable and depends on the institution where you work do you think that regulation could be a means to ensure greater standardisation of education and training? Well, you know me, I've, I'm always up for regulation. And I think 
if we, you know, if we did get regulation and we work hard for regulation, I think there would be some recognition and we would move up the chain a little bit or a far more bit than what we are at the moment because but because people are so frightened of regulation or are they frightened of giving nursing support workers regulation and think that, oh, they're going to be going above the station. That's not what we want. We want it for patient safety, for the care of, you know, people in the community and people in hospital. Because as you know, some nurses can be struck off but can be walk can walk into a nursing home and get a job as a care assistant. And if anything goes wrong, sometimes you will get in the media that, you know, oh, that care assistant did that. Now, whether regulation would protect us, I am not sure, Tracy. I'm not sure if that is enough, along with the day that we are promoting, you know, to say this is our day. This is what we want. So I think Nursing Support Workers Day, we ought to be attaching that to it, that how about looking at regulating us? I think you're, you're right. I think we know from previous discussions that this is, a, this is a big piece of work to do. I think the issues that we have yeah. is that we, we need to strip back. We need to get a four-country response. We need to be able to start somewhere. But I think... It is about yeah. getting that standardization of education and training put in place first because there's so many inconsistencies of, you know, banding, job titles, education, availability. And I think we need to standardize that like we have for our registered nurse pathway so that we can have these standards and that we can regulate for our nurse and support workers. And I think it will make it, as you rightly say, it's to protect our public. It's to show the recognition of the roles and the skills that our nursing support workers have. And I think it's it's the way forward. If we had something like, like you say, with the nurses, you know, when they qualify, they get a competency or something in that recognition. We have the care certificate that we have for the nursing support workers. Why can't we have something, you know, in a competency form, or however form that you would like it to be in order to build up to the recognition of what nursing support workers do within the nursing family. We work alongside the nurses. Why can't we develop something to work alongside the nurses? The TNA have it, you know, the TAs, they have it. So why can't we have something now or looking on the back of that, have something that would protect all nursing support workers. Yeah, and I think, you know, as a nursing support worker committee, you've often spoken about the pathways, but I think it's also Mm. about registered nurses. Everyone has to have their role. Everyone has to have the boundaries. And, And I think it's also that, you know, registered nurses, they will be making those clinical decisions and planning the care for the patients. But Mm. I think the regulation could come in for so many good reasons. And I think, you know, the, the, the multitude of skill um, that our nursing support workers, workforce have, I think now it's time to start talking. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, as nursing support workers, we've achieved 
we've achieved a heck of a lot, not just with the committee, but I think with nursing support workers as a whole. It's a complex area, isn't it? I think the the issue of regulation and registration, um, as you know, Maeve, the, the position of the RCN is you know, that nursing supporters should be subject to regulation. Um, there are a lot of advantages to that in terms of patient safety, but it, there is also a lot of complexity, but something that as professional regulation is being looked at more generally, then also the um, looking at the you know, protection of the, of the role of the registered nurse. And as you say, also the protection and, and clarity around the role of the nursing support worker. But given the diversity of roles, titles that we have, then that's going to be quite a long piece of, of work, but a, an, an area where you know, I think we do need some, some advocacy. Just to bring Kevin back in with perhaps some final thoughts towards nursing support worker day, Kevin, any, any final thoughts that you would want to add around what you hope the day will um, achieve next week? So I, I know one or two of the things that are coming, and I think it is going to show us in an absolutely fantastic light that we can share the voice of nursing um, as nursing support workers and we can be embraced by our colleagues. And I would like to see that embraced in the next week or so because we are working um, and doing a couple of joint ventures with uh, Yorkshire and Humberside um, where we've got a couple of events that's, that's going to be joint between us. So I'm looking forward to all of them. And, and promoting us as a voice for nursing support workers because without us on the front line working in the hospitals or the community it makes the 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 nurse's job much harder because we are the first point of call and so we need to celebrate it and celebrate it loudly. Thank you Kevin. We've come to the end of the podcast and we'll be back in two weeks time. We'd love to know what you would like us to talk about So tell us what you're interested in or concerned about in the world of nursing by tweeting us at the RCN with the hashtag Nursing Matters. We'll do our best to cover them in future episodes. That's the end of the podcast. So thanks to our special guests, Maeve Coley. Thank you, Maeve. Mm -hmm. Special guests. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me, you know, and have the voice of nursing out there, you know. As Kevin said, let's raise the roof. And thanks to your fellow roof raiser, um, Kevin Morley. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much for asking me. And thank you very much, uh, everybody who's tuned in and listened to our podcast. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much. And to Tracy, thank you. And Rachel, thank you. Yeah, so thank you to co-host Tracy Colpitt. Thank you. Remember to follow us on Spotify Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got time, give us a nice positive review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to spread the word about Nursing Matters. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.